0: You don't need to tell me how wrong they are because it really doesn't matter, right? What matters is this is their perception. So what we gotta work on is figure out how to influence their perception so that you can be more successful.
1: Humility in business, what does that even mean? And how do you know when you have it or don't have it? You might also be thinking, does showing humility mean that people think you lack confidence or conviction? In this episode, we'll answer these important questions that shape your impact as a leader. So welcome, Jeff Kaplan. How are you? Good. How are you doing today, Raj? I'm doing fantastic. And you know, I love our topic today of humility. It's a really interesting topic because, you know, sometimes you work with people you know have a lot of humility and sometimes, boy, they don't. So what we're going to talk about today is humility. What it is. How do you know when it's there? How do you know when it's not there? And does it mean uh, that you're lacking confidence uh, in some way if you are very humble, um, and then of course the topics that you'd mentioned we're going to go into as well, like what can get in the way and how do you develop humility. So Jeff, let's talk about
0: what humility is first. I tell you what, it's not narcissism. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> okay, so, so you know the way I look at humility, it's recognizing that it's it's serving something bigger than one's small ego, right? One self, right? So. For example, you know somebody who's humble uh, seeks to you know serve and support others, or see, seeks to serve and support the organization. Uh, somebody who sort of lacks humility—it's—it's it's all about them. They're coming from a very me-centric place. When they even how they see the world, they see it through like, for example, what's good for me? What would this mean for me?
1: So um, that's very self-centered is a very self-centered way of looking at things. And unfortunately, I think people have managers, bosses, teammates that really look at life from that perspective, not just, uh, you know, the workplace, just everything is kind of centers around them. The sun doesn't shine until they wake up in the morning. Um, so how do you know when it's there, when it's not there?
0: Well, first of all, you pro- I bet you anybody listening <laughs> could tell you like, oh, oh yes humble leader not humble leader right so let me ask you if you don't mind like think about you don't have to share the names but think about leaders that you most respect yes okay because you are yourself self-aware my guess is those leaders are humble now think about leaders that you least respect yes my guess is they're arrogant know-it-alls
1: They are mostly arrogant know-it-alls. In fact, I think uh, that's one of the biggest challenges people have is when they're working with someone who really, like, you know, the gospel comes out of their mouth, they're not really open to listening to new ideas, uh, don't like to be challenged, uh, even in the face of data. (laughs) And so that's a big, big problem, right? So yeah, Yeah, um, we
0: just nailed it, right? That's one of the big issues, right? Is if you lack humility, then you're not really open to hearing others' perspectives or ideas because you think you're the smartest one in the room.
1: So this conversation is great if you are aware of that. Most people who are not humble are not even aware. They don't even know that this is how they're coming across. So if we happen to have anybody like that listening, and maybe there are elements to our own personalities, maybe in some situations I am humble, in other situations less so. What are the characteristics, or, or terms, or things to watch for that someone can just say, "Hmm, I just did something. Maybe that wasn't the right thing. Maybe that's uh, coming across as a way that's not really humble." I'll give you Is really that- simple.
0: Well, sure. Yeah. I- I'll give you a really simple metric. Look at your emails that you send, and look at how many eyes are in your emails.
1: Hmm. The, are There's, you saying the difference between the number of eyes versus the number of we's or you or, wheeze,
0: or even you like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're really good in this, whatever, like, um, if you lack humility, again, you're coming from a place of you. So you're like, you know, I need you to do this. And, you know, I see this as X. And um, I think we should blah, blah, blah. Versus like, I don't know, this thing looks confusing. Right. Or, right. That's just a subtle a subtle one but it one way to notice for example in a team meeting is if you're shutting people down if you ask your team a question and you find yourself always complaining that they never seem to have any answers and they keep looking to you then you're probably not being a humble leader and creating an environment where people feel their voices actually mean something
1: One of the biggest challenges that sales team members encounter is when they're trying to sell to a Mr. Know-it-all. And I remember being in a room one time when I was actually asked to come in and pitch uh, to this one CEO of about a 1,200-person company, and I started talking about the benefits of things, and he had an answer for everything, shut me off at every corner. And I finally took one step back, and I said, hey, Ron, I really appreciate you bringing us in. But it seems like you've got everything in pretty good order. Why did
0: you bring me in? Exactly.
1: And so right then, you know, he's the one that actually requested the meeting. (laughs) So right then uh, he started changing his tone. Well, I think uh, you can help with X, Y, Z. And whatever he said was my path to go forward. Not everybody's going to be in that situation. I mean, I was in a situation where... The the CEO had invited me to present because he'd heard of our reputation. But the uh, other situations is maybe when a salesperson is talking to a, a Mr. Know It All and you know the salesperson has set up the meeting. How do you deal with that? What kind of ways can someone uh, soften that uh, aggressive mindset that the know-it-all's got?
0: Yeah, well, you just you just did it. You flipped the baton onto them. If you're holding on to one end of the baton and they have to prove that they know more than you you know, you're going down the wrong alley. And so you flip it. Like, you know, one of the things I often do is, you know, look, you're really smart. You know, tell me, what do you think is missing? Or, you know, and first, by the way, often they first need to be acknowledged how smart they are. Like I say, you know, look, you know, you're smart, you're creative resourceful, you've done A, B, and C, you've been hugely successful here. Where do you think your weakest link is, right? So you have to, right, you have to, um, make the correction thing really small comparatively to this acknowledgement of like how successful you've been. Right. Like, and then, you know, I think you could be like, you know, you've been more successful than pretty much anybody in your company. Right. Sometimes, you know, I might exaggerate just slightly, right. You know, to meet them where they're at and then say, what would it take to get to that next level kind of thing?
1: That's a that's a great point. And I think, you know, now that you mention it, I've used that strategy, maybe subconsciously, but very successfully is that when you've got, when you're dealing with that person who does not have any sense of humility, when they are the Mr. Know-it-all, uh, you flatter them.
0: Yes. Yeah. Acknowledge it first. If it seems like um, false flattery, right, that could trigger them. But to your point, right, you really... You, And this is, actually, this is important. You really want to train yourself to look for what's right about them, right? Where they've been successful. So it's truly aligning with them in that moment. Like, look how amazing you are. And then it's like pointing, like, wow, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. Right. And really feeling it. Right. And then pointing over here and going, what about this piece? Right. Like, you know, for example, when I give 360 feedback, sometimes obviously the the arrogant know it alls like, have a hard time, you know, when they learn that not everybody thinks they're as smart as they think they themselves are, right? And so I really do a lot of qualifying with, you know, look, you don't need to tell me how wrong they are because it really doesn't matter, right? What matters is this is their perception. So what we got to work on is figure out how to influence their perception so that you can be more successful.
1: Yeah, and I think the strategy of uh, telling someone when you see that they've done something pretty good, regardless of whether uh, they're yeah. humble or not, exactly. is actually a good approach to just life in general, quite frankly. It, it, and I think when you practice that in your everyday life, uh, it exactly. becomes a lot easier in situations where it may carry uh, more weight, like having to do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, you know, you're you're ensuring.
0: so on point, Rods. The you know, the old way of giving feedback used to be the sandwich method. You know you give yeah. them something positive, yeah. negative, positive, and everybody sees right through that they're just waiting for you to hope and get to the negative, yeah. and then they disregard the last positive as well right. and yeah. so right, so when you're regularly acknowledging other people and providing that positive feedback, when you do have to give them critical feedback, they're more likely to hear it because they're less defensive because they're not feeling it's a full attack on their whole ego, yeah, yeah.
1: And so, um, in my experience, some of the phrasings that people could use as takeaways could be things like, "I really like the way you
0: fill in the blank." Right? Um, I centric. <clears throat> so e- even more pa- even more powerful is you really captured the essence of that message.
1: That's a good way to break that up. That's a good way. Cause yeah, the way I phrased it, I started with the word I, so I made it like, oh, I think so. But then like back off, wait a minute, Raj, that's not actually the better way. The better way. I like the way you phrased it is you really captured the essence of this critical
0: component in the process. Correct. And I just want to do something. I want to like, you know, people, even those that are humble, May use I because they're trying to qualify their statement, like I, like I Raj, recognize that this is just my view. But you cut that out completely because you're still because you, you're still putting I in, you're still putting yourself in the message. The I is implicit, like obviously it's your opinion, right? Um, but it's so much more powerful to say you really captured that message or that you know purpose or whatever it is. Like that's going to have long tail rewards. Now,
1: I'm going to qualify that just a little bit more. Okay. So, cause there's one area of using the I or me that I've found to be pretty effective. And that is when I'm trying to explain something to, to somebody and don't, I don't want to say you need to be doing this. Right. What I've found works better is when I say in my experience, when I have done this, this has been a good way. And that kind of, it gives them a little bit of a, of a, I don't know. It's it just feels a little bit softer. I found that to be really effective. I don't know. What are your thoughts on well, that? Well,
0: so, uh, so I call that the. Hang with me, Raj. You know, you're you're brilliant, and you know, this is why <laughs> you know you always have so much to add when we talk. Um, the dummy's way of providing feedback, right? Everyone looks for a way to sort of soften it, right? And so, you know, my opinion, blah. You know, here's another way to do it. Just frame it with, you know, this is something that I got from one of my clients when. A wife or coworker starts sharing something. Do you want me to listen, share, or solve? So if it's you want me to listen, then don't then go with, you know, so you know in my experience, you know, I have tried this and I found it to be successful, right? If you want me to share, then well, like I can really relate to that. Like I had an experience like that as well. And then I would stop there If they say, well, what did you do? Now they're actually asking you to solve right or right out the gate if they want you to solve then I go with exactly what you just said right like even then you still want to like not make it like well you're an idiot you don't know what you're doing right so even when you solve you would that could say you know well you know I had a situation very similar you know it's different in this way but and you know one of the things I tried was you know was x actually what
1: you said just now i mean i it, the way i see it is they're related like if i say in my experience i've done this or a situation that happened to me was i feel like they're very related and i know that in professional coaching environments like uh, you know i was part of Vistage for 12 years when i was uh, ceo and uh, i know others like entrepreneur organization others they actually use that as the framework for how you give feedback to other members in the group during a, a session And so uh, I got to say, I found that to be really effective because you're not getting sort of, uh, lack of a better word, being preached at. uh, You're actually learning through an example. And I find that when someone paints their own picture, you can learn from that picture because you sort of see elements of your life playing out in someone else's story.
0: Yes, but to not generalize, there was two things in that vistage, Vistage that made that palpable. One is that you were all there in part because you were in non-competing businesses looking for right. advice and direction from other people who have kind of had similar situations. So you all yes. came in wanting that. You already said, I want you to help me solve. The second thing is that you already had an agreement, right, of the way that you were gonna give feedback and advice was to, in that format. So, yeah, it's the true. same thing, very right. True. Just mm-hmm. just the main takeaway here to not to you know be humble and to be supportive and helpful, is to just agree ahead of time about what are we doing here, right? And what's the best way to communicate with each other?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Fair enough, And I like the way that you've clarified that point. um let's let's shift a little bit over to how do you develop humility as you go on and being a leader. Let me just share a couple of thoughts here. Oftentimes, and I'm probably guilty of this too, uh, when I was in my younger days, uh, I don't know, I mean, I kind of hope I'm a little bit more humble now as I've gotten a little bit older, but when you're younger and you're like a total go-getter, sometimes you might be a little brash, like like impatient, really want to go accomplish things, can't understand why people are moving at a different pace than you. Uh, makes you come across as not being very humble, don't have as much humility, just like your actions, right? The word choices that you use sometimes similar uh, way that you come across. So, so what do you do? How do you uh, recognize that you need um maybe a little tune up?
0: And uh, how do you do that? They're so gonna give you a quick story, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, as you look at the time. <laughs> so, uh, so a very quick story, uh, Dr. Nansuk Park. Uh, She's a a leader in the world of positive psychology. She shared a story about 11 years ago in a program I was uh, part of um, attended um, where uh, when she was uh, in kindergarten, uh, she noticed that the boy in front of her didn't have a lunch. And so she told her mother, mother said, well, the family most likely couldn't afford lunch. So the mother said, mother made two lunches and said, look, I want you to get to school before anybody else arrives, particularly the boy and put the other lunch underneath his seat. So you can imagine the surprised look when the kid noticed that there was a free lunch in it under his chair. Um, so the next day, the mother once again made two lunches and once again, Dr. Park kind of at the time, so brought the, um, the second lunch and put it under the boy's chair. This went on for months until the boy and his family moved. Now, think about that. What an amazingly humble thing to do. Right. So you're not just doing a random act of kindness, but you're doing a secret act of kindness. So one of the ways that I often suggest to leaders who are trying to become humbler is to identify, for example, three times a week, some act, of random act of kindness that you can do. But the trick is you can't get caught doing it because as soon as you're doing it for acknowledgement you're now invoking the ego and you're going the opposite direction but doing something secretly that helps others that my friend can really build humility
1: that's yeah, not just for leaders that's for everybody uh, i think okay. that is for everybody yeah. you know it's funny you remind as you shared the story i'm reminded of these um, these short youtube videos that you see now and then of somebody being recorded giving a whole pizza to a homeless person or something and it's like oh come on you're being recorded you're staging the whole thing <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know so it's it's uh you know it's uh
0: it's and that's real quick and that's a challenge too right because i mean it's completely staged and you know if you mm-hmm. really want to know some, where someone's heart is you have to look for those times when no one's looking
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I like that. And in fact, I think that's a great habit. If there's a takeaway from here, it doesn't matter if you're a leader, doesn't matter if you're, um, you're an aspiring leader, uh, or just, you know, someone who's still a student working, whatever it is, I think just, you know, commit a couple of random acts of kindness that that go unnoticed, intentionally unnoticed, and next week can actually make a habit out of it. Actually, they'll make the world a kinder place.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And just as a general way to develop humility, it's things like serving in a soup kitchen or, you know, or doing other um, acts of service, people mm-hmm. who are humble, like humble leaders, they're always looking at what's in the best interest of the organization. What's going to support the mission? How do you best serve the customers? How do you really support the employees? Right. Th- that's the difference between a humble leader and you know, sort of an arrogant know-it-all that gets so stuck in the role that they actually think they're as important as the role. They're actually just yeah. serving the role. They're a steward of a role and eventually they will die. And if the organization has any legs, the organization will continue beyond them. Yeah that's
1: a that's a really look uh, I like that point also. So Jeff thank you very much. I love talking to you about the the topics we have and so humility it's something that like I think it'll just make a world a kinder place. It'll make your business actually grow.
0: Great. All right, All right thank you Raj. Great seeing you. Thanks. Bye.